Welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guests tonight are two audiobook narrators who created a regular meeting for audiobook narrators with the mission to create a safe, confidential space where narrators can support each other through the mental and emotional effects of the work. Will Damron and Reba Burr, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Yay, we're happy to be here. Thank you for having us. So, so glad you're here. I'm glad that you reached out. I have been... um, uh, active in the the meetings that we will be discussing for I think six or eight months now and mm. um and I I love getting together with people the way that the way that you do and uh, when you reached out and suggested this I thought this is great what a great way to get the word out about the narrators alliance yeah we're I I'm I'm so glad that you do this I I actually wasn't aware of this until other people in our narrator alliance uh mentioned it um I I don't go on social media a whole lot, so it was it was a few people actually in our group. They were like, you know, Rich Miller has this thing. Yeah, no, that's um, great. I'm, which I'm is glad so great. And two it. of my favorite things: it's drinking and uh, doing audiobooks. <laughs> there you go. So that's that's one of the sometimes reasons at that... the same time. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I I will say uh, without going into any detail that has happened on occasion for me in the distant past and uh, will almost certainly never happen again. Oh, yeah, I was right. just about we, to say it probably works. Uh, one, one or two. For some, for, 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 yeah, I know. For some books, you know, we we're working yeah. from home. Yeah, I I will say that it was uh, it was it was a poor choice, uh, and it will <laughs> almost certainly never happen again. I have tried though. I will say I have tried on occasion a, a tiny bit of alcohol to try to deal with mouth noise. Not very successfully, as everyone who's listening knows, uh, mouth noise can be a bugaboo, and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And you you try everything, and every once in a while, something will work. Uh, in this case, not very successful, but I have tried it. <laughs> I do know there are some people who swear by, you know, certain, uh, not just narrators, but also singers have like, you know, those special, um, you know, kick a cold in the ass kind of mm-hmm. concoctions that they'll make whether it's with bourbon or like vodka or some things, mm-hmm. um, which is of course not a full drink, but like if you, if you need to like just clear out things enough to get a couple of good minutes. That exactly. And that's, that's what I was trying to do. I was hoping that what it would do would be to dry out what was making noise. Right. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of different reasons why mouth noise comes up and I don't want to go off on a tangent mm-hmm. here, but uh, in, <laughs> in, in that case, it was not terribly successful. In <laughs> my singing days, it was a mucinex right before an audition. Oh yeah. I could see and that. Loosen things up. Yeah. Well, it would dry you right out. And so everything would ring really clear. But then after that, you're pretty dry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so the, so we don't go down the uh, the mouth noise rabbit hole because that can take <laughs> up uh, hours and hours reading through groups online. Uh, thank you for coming into the speakeasy, you two. So uh, I'll, I'll go one at a time. Will, uh, you're in a speakeasy. What are you having to drink tonight? I am having a Kentucky Corpse Reviver. You know what that oh, is? Oh, nice. What? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So this is, uh, it's pretty much equal parts bourbon, lillet, and 
any kind of orange liqueur, if you have like a Patron Citronge or like that, it's like the best thing. I don't. I just have good old triple sec and mm -hmm. uh, lemon juice. Um, so it's got my, it's got at least a couple of food groups. It's got my citrus and, uh, <laughs> my, my bourbon and, um, it's delicious. It's a, it's a nice kind of slightly tart, refreshing, uh, bourbon drink. Yeah, no, I, I am familiar with that one. I, uh, skew towards the classic corpse reviver number two, which is essentially what you just described, but with gin instead of bourbon. That's um, it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. but I, I do need to try that one. Uh, I've, I've got a new favorite bourbon drink, uh, Paper Plain, which also has some sweet elements and some um, some citrus. And so uh, I, I should actually try a, a Kentucky Corpse Reviver. Haven't haven't had one of those. What kind of bourbon are you using? This. Oh, that's a good question. It's a local bourbon here to Atlanta. I think it's um Old Fourth Ward Distillery. Um, no kidding you've got think, local bourbon yeah. that's great that's great you've got we got local everything here um yeah. <laughs> but, but, but this this particular distillery i think um uh, anyone from atlanta listening is going to crucify me um i think <laughs> I, I think they i think they make gin there's a lot of there's a few local gin ones here i think these guys also make gin and maybe even vodka as well um, but they make this this great bourbon that is uh, a higher proof than a normal uh your normal like 80 proof bourbon so mm -hmm. it'll kick you in the ass but uh, great for mixing with. Especially. Is it a, is it a barrel proof or just a little bit higher than eighty? Um, I think it's a hundred proof. Oh, is that yeah. barrel proof? No, barrel's usually about one hundred and fifteen, hundred and twenty. Yeah, um, not not quite. Yeah, it's not quite that high. But yeah, hundred hundred's a, a good strong bourbon. Um, one of my favorites is Wild Turkey one hundred and one, which is uh, yes. one hundred and one proof. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah well that's, that's that sounds great. Uh, you've you've inspired me. I'm going to uh, make one of those <laughs> sometime soon and compare it to a regular Corpse Survivor number two, the the nice. slightly more classic. Reba, how about there you? you? What do you have in the drink tonight? Oh, I wish I could gab with you guys. I am alcohol-free. I'm a total teetotaler ah. uh, because it makes me so sick. <laughs> so I'm oh, having no Gatorade mixed with sparkling water tonight. Nice. Electrolytes. Ariba cocktail. Electrolytes. Yeah, electrolytes do exactly the opposite of the what the alcohol will do. opposite <laughs> of drinking alcohol. Exactly. Well, that's that's good. I, is um, will it make you sick because of interaction with something else, or is it just because you've never drunk much, and so any little bit will uh, will have a negative effect? Well, pretty much from day one, I was a uh, you know take one or two drinks, and I'm I'm already barfing before the party's even started. Wow! Uh, so my body just you know rejects it really sure. quickly, and then. Um, in those instances in my earlier 20s when I did manage to have a drink or two and not throw it up, often the next day I would faint. Wow. Oh, wow. I have really fainted in the sky and it is not fun. And so wow. I am done. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't blame you. Um, I have not heard of that. I, I have heard I remember back in my college days, we need to get into college, Reba. Um, back in my <laughs> college days, I had a friend who uh, everybody kind of knew that he was, he was a bodybuilder and everybody kind of knew that he was taking steroids uh -huh. and he wouldn't, he wouldn't touch alcohol. Um, and that was, that was the primary reason. He was also Asian and he had the, I think there's a 
term for it, Asian alcohol syndrome or something like that. Yeah, exactly. He would, Which, he would I mean, that's a colloquial term. Beat red as soon as he yeah. would have anything to drink. So, so he wouldn't drink. And I know that uh, there are certain medications, uh, I believe that some diabetes medications uh, really make it so that you virtually can't drink any alcohol mm. at all. Um, but that's really interesting. I have not heard of that as kind of a, a natural reaction. Good for your body. It's it's treating you well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 all really healthy. But it is fun to go out for a cocktail and mixology and to sure. think about the little intricacies of a drink. So yeah, I was asking for mocktails, and very few restaurants like have any on the menu. So. And I think that <laughs> is a real shame because there are so many you know perfectly fine reasons for not drinking. Many, yes. many reasons. My my wife is drinking less and less for health reasons. And so I've I've taken on the task of of learning, you know, some decent mocktails. And it's kind of fun. It's like, wow, you can make a drink, people can have a drink, and you can all be enjoying each other's company and having fun and have something really tasty to drink. So I, I think it's a shame that more restaurants don't put a little more effort into that. I would pay any amount of money, you know, 15, 20 bucks. I'll yeah. buy your mocktail. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm, that, that, that's part of like the exciting thing too, about mixology. Like the most exciting things you're doing are not the alcohol that's going in the drink. It's everything else they're doing. Yeah. Like, and know, it, bitters and, uh, you know, herbs and like, that's the really cool mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's coming up with, with, uh, a surprising and or refreshing and, or some other, you know, um, aspect of a drink mm -hmm. that some, that might surprise somebody and might, uh, you know, make somebody go, Ooh, this is really good. So yeah. that's what I have found is it's a lot of fun learning all these different things and then coming up with your own. So, well, I am joining you guys with something that I, a drink that I've known about for years, and um, I rarely have all of the ingredients on hand. And I realized last week, I actually have everything right now. So I'm having a vieux carré, um, forgive me, yeah. I, I do mm -hmm. not speak French, uh, <laughs> means old square developed in the 1930s. I'm not sure if it was pre -pro if it was prohibition or post-prohibition. But um, developed in New Orleans, and uh, Old Square refers to the French Quarter. Uh, it's kind of a Manhattan on steroids. It's uh, it's it's instead of just rye and sweet vermouth, it's rye and cognac and sweet vermouth, yep. and a yep. little bit of Benedictine, which which gives it a, a nice herbal flavor. It's a little sweeter than I typically drink, but I love it because it's really, it's got a whole bunch of different flavors going on. So, mm -hmm. uh, plus some bitters, uh, Peychaud's bitters, some, uh, aromatic bitters. And, uh, I find it really a really interesting drink. So, uh, I'm glad I finally had everything on hand. Uh, don't always have cognac. Don't always have Benedictine. But when I saw the bottles that I'd bought, I don't know, months ago, I thought, wait a minute, I've got everything. That sounds I just so bought fun. I just bought my first bottle of Benedictine probably a month ago. Yeah. It's such an interesting liqueur. It, just it like, is. Yeah. It just, it adds a really interesting element. It's hard for me to describe, um, but I, I've started making a few, you know, ones like the View Carré, like old yeah. fashioned classic cocktails with it. And it just, it, yeah, it's a really interesting thing to play with. It's great just on its own in a, in a tiny glass yeah. as a dessert drink too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So now that you've tried that, you have to get some B&B. I think I even had, yeah, you know, I, I went on a splurge a few months ago and I like I opened and, and then I wasn't drinking for like several weeks or even a month. And then I opened my liquor cabinet 
uh, my sister was just visiting uh, in town for Thanksgiving and I opened my liquor cabinet just to see what was there and was greeted by all these bottles that I had forgotten that I bought. <laughs> and it was just like, I don't even know where to begin now. I have like a library all of a sudden. That's great. So I think there is some B&B in there somewhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, and if you don't, you can always just make your own, like this drink has cognac in it. Yeah, so. right. It's brandy and Benedictine, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That, yeah, right. So uh, anyway, well, well, this is great. Thank you guys for coming in. I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk about the Narrators Alliance. Um, thanks for coming in, whether you are drinking alcohol or not. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> All right. So so let's just get a little bit of background on, on you two. Will, um, I believe that you are in, uh, you mentioned Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. but, I, but I know that you moved not too long ago. So where are you from originally? So originally I'm from Southern Virginia. Um, I, I was born in Oregon, but I was raised in Southern Virginia um, and uh, went to high school there, went to college up in Vermont, uh, but then moved to Los Angeles when I was, I think, 25. And you're uh, crisscrossing the country. Yeah, man. I couldn't, I was, I was looking for, for a home and, uh, and I found home. Atlanta is, is really my home, but I was in LA for about eight years. Uh, met Reba there mm-hmm. and, uh, that's where I became a narrator. That's where I, um, you know, uh, became part of the narrator community. The LA narrator community is a really, really amazing, special community. Um, and and yeah, then just uh, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, mid twenty twenty, I moved to Atlanta. That must and have been fun moving in the middle of a pandemic. It was, I mean, it it was a little stressful, but in a way, the pandemic actually made it a little easier because I I had been looking for a home beyond LA for a, a little while before that, and um, you know, my eyes were just sort of open, just sort of looking around. Um, and then I started dating this girl who's also a narrator. <laughs> Y'all may know her name is January. She's done a few books. Um, and she uh, had just moved here from New York. And, um, so I came to visit her and just fell in love with this city. I had never thought about it. I certainly never thought of moving back to the South. Um, I thought I had left the South far in the, uh, in the rear view mirror. Um, but just fell in love with this city and just everything. And, and, and there's such a strong narrator and also, of course, actor and, you know, performance community here um, anyway. Uh, but it just really uh, grabbed me and, and pulled me in. Um, cool. So moving during the pandemic was just sort of, in a way, it made it easier because there was just nothing left to do in L.A. I was just like, well, I know where I want to go. I might as well just go. Like, there's, yeah. Why not? You know, I'll I'll say I'll I'll be back. I can visit people. There's no need to have a big, you know, goodbye party or anything. Just just go and make it happen. So um, were, you, were you in it? You said that you started narrating audiobooks in L.A. Were you in L.A. Mm-hmm. for acting reasons? Yeah, I had actually I'd moved there because I wanted to do um, on screen acting and um, did a teensy, teensy little bit of auditioning. But once I arrived there, realized a, what was most important to me was actually um, finishing my book. I was working on a novel at that time. Oh. Um, and then on the side, I started getting into audiobooks. Um, and um, through a combination of some luck and some hard work, audiobooks took off pretty fast for me. So before I knew it, that was my main job. Ah. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was writing my book. And like, that was my time. And I was happy. I mean, that's, that's you know, I was fulfilled. And that's that's all that I could make time to do and and wanted to do at at the moment. Um, And uh, 
so I, I, I just sort of put the screen stuff to the side for a bit to focus on the book and see where audiobooks would take me. So it sounds like and it wasn't the, the typical um, situation where somebody goes to L.A. and then finds out kind of in arrears that there's a few other people in L.A. who are trying to do the acting thing, too. <laughs> now, it sounds like it was, it was more a matter of uh, it just sort of happened this way and it worked out well. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I um, it helped that the people who helped get me into this business were uh, very well respected narrators. I had gone to college with Julia Whalen and uh, McLeod Andrews. Oh, wow. Um, who were both, you know, just really kind of taking off in their careers uh, when I moved to L.A. So, you know, a good word from them went a long way. And I um, I just I just started putting the whole picture together with uh, the recording being my main shtick. And as you guys know, the flexibility of the schedule and everything else, it just it just fit everything else I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm aware I've had a rather different experience of it than most people. Yeah. And I only know there's probably more than one, but I only know one narrator with the name January. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there. And I, I mean, I did, I did not know that was a thing. <laughs> you didn't? Yes. I, di I didn't know. Oh, I guess because Will's not on social that much, but he is on Instagram. They sometimes post couple pictures. They always have That's a really true. good Halloween costume. I'm, I'm, yeah, we're, I'm we're rarely, I'm rarely on Instagram, and I'm, I'm trying to get more and more off of social media for good my, for own, you. my own mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah. So That's yeah, no, I, I didn't realize that. I, I will assume and and let the audience know that you were referring to January Lavoy. Yes. Okay. Just, she's just my, she's my sure. lady. Okay. All right. Yeah. Didn't, didn't want to leave anybody <laughs> guessing there. Um, yes, Jan January Lavoy is my is my girlfriend. We are, uh, you know, a an Atlanta narrator couple. Got it. We're moving in together next year. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. She's great. Yeah. Cool. Very, well, that's yeah, great. Things are going very well. Excellent. So, so Reba, how did you get into audiobooks? Well, wait a minute. Okay, so first, <laughs> tell tell me where you're from. Uh, from originally uh, Seattle area, ah. uh, not the city, but. Unless you're from there, that's irrelevant. Seattle, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not from there, but I actually know the area fairly well. Well, I'm from a very small suburb called Maple Valley. Oh, I am actually not familiar with Maple Valley. I knew you wouldn't be. <laughs> no, I got to look that one up now. I've, I've got friends up there. I had family up there. And so I know, you know, Bellingham and, and uh, I, I don't even remember now, but uh, I am not familiar with Maple Valley. Yeah, I, uh, for for people who know the area a little better, I used to hang out in Issaquah a lot. I, oh, that I know. Near Kent and Renton and Bellevue. See, I know Those all are of kind those. of my yeah. hoods. Yeah, okay. Maple Valley, I gotta look that up. Uh, and and then um, I know that you went to Occidental College. Yeah! And, and I love the fact that I know another narrator who graduated from Oxy. Now, granted, I graduated from Oxy I think before you were born, but um, back <laughs> back in '85, and so it's uh, it's just before I was born. <laughs> so quite a bit earlier, but I do not know of any other narrators who graduated from Oxy. So uh, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh my god, this is great! It's a, such a small school that. It I is. will always squeal when somebody tells me they went to Oxy or even knows of it. <laughs> So that's great. I I still I would love to get Lisa Khan at Hachette um here in the speakeasy. Um, but she is so busy every time I've tried. Uh it's she it a grad? She is. It it hasn't worked out. And I'm, we were and oh, that's we were amazing. 
we were actually there concurrently, but I didn't know her. Yeah, so. yeah. That I've I've got um there's this really famous voice actress named Ashley Birch who works primarily in video games and she was there concurrently with me, but I don't know her either. Yeah, it's and... funny. You think such a small school. I, I think that it was a little bit larger when you were there. Um, when I was there, each incoming class was 425, which would make you think that the total population was 1700, but it wasn't because people would transfer out. So at any one time, the total population of the school was only about 1500. Um, Same, 15. No kidding. So yeah. uh, I know that they increased the incoming classes, but maybe it was after you graduated. Well, they had um, just built this huge brand new dorm that I got to move into like halfway mm. through my junior year. So they probably immediately started getting bigger classes right after. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's uh, I'm sure that everybody listening is bored to tears, but I, I'm thrilled that I know another <laughs> narrator who went to Oxy. So uh, so you went to Oxy. What did you do there? Um, so I was a little musical theater Broadway baby, and that's oh. all I wanted to do in the world. I ended up going to Oxy because I, <laughs> this, I mean, that's a very long story. Why didn't I audition for a conservatory program? Well, I had a boyfriend <laughs> in high school that I thought I was going to marry, which is stupid. And so I <laughs> not always, not always. <laughs> only applied to the to Western Washington University, which is in Bellingham, and two other schools, Oberlin and Occidental, that my mom made me apply to because she was like, come on, just have some backups. And I was like, I don't need it. I'm marrying Tyler. <laughs> as soon That's as I so realized funny. how fun it would be to go to a school I actually wanted to go to, I dumped Tyler. And then I was left with just Oberlin and Oxy and I didn't get into Oberlin. So <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny because I was also semi forced into applying to, to Oxy. And I, I tell people the older I get, the more I love my Oxy experience. I, I was not very happy there, which had nothing to do with the school. It was all about where I was in my life and in my head. And, um, the older I get, the more I realize what an absolutely phenomenal experience it was going to that college and how much it has helped me in so many different ways in my life. So it's interesting to hear that 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 you you applied there just because you sort of had to. And the brochure was so cute. So. Oh, yeah, they were, they, they were great on marketing even back then. <laughs> uh, I could not think of loving a school experience more, though. I loved it so, so much. Um, and I majored, I, I double majored in classical voice and theater because musical theater wasn't a program there. And I wanted to keep singing and I wanted to keep acting. So I did a double major and I did a lot of like soprano stuff in the music department. And then we did plays in the theater department and it was a lot of work. <laughs> but by the time I finished, um, I was dating my now husband. So I didn't end up moving to New York like I thought I would. I stayed here and started doing musical theater out here. And was he at Oxy as well? He was, yeah. Oh my God. So you're total statistic. statistic. So am I. <laughs> so am I. My wife and I both went to Oxy, but we didn't go concurrently. I didn't meet her because Same. When, I was, when, when I was graduating from Oxy, she was graduating from junior high. So um, it would have been kind of inappropriate. Yeah. But, um... yeah. I was a senior in high school when he graduated Oxy, but he kept coming to the college parties. That's how I met him. 
That is so funny. My wife and I met at a uh, an alumni happy hour. So it I love worked. it because because Oxy yeah Oxy has um, a really high statistic. I don't remember <laughs> what it is off the top of my head. We all married each other. We yeah, it's it's really funny. So uh, again, I don't want to bore everybody, but uh, but but that's great. So you did a lot of um, theater stuff, singing, using your voice at Oxy. When did you get mm-hmm. into audiobooks? So. Uh, Somebody introduced me to the world of dubbing, and he was a Tai Chi teacher at Oxy and a good friend of mine outside of school, and he was a director for for dubbing projects. So I got, I, I did a job with him just to try it out, and I loved it, and I couldn't believe how much money I could make as a, mm, you know, yeah. I, when I was 21, any amount of money seemed amazing. Sure. And doing a, a musical in town, I mean, you'd be lucky if they gave you 30 bucks after each show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, I've got to pursue this because it draws on all the skills I already have. So I mm. bought a microphone and then I have my Rode NT1A microphone. I still have mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a baby's first microphone. Yep. And I was like, what else can I do with this? And I happened to be working in a, at Disneyland in the Aladdin show. And a friend of mine was on an audible contract from back in the day. One of those exhausting do like in a month like or 15 90, finished hours a week, yeah, 15 yeah, finished right, hours a week. Right. And we'll give you $20,000. And once again, I was like, that's crazy money. I'll do any amount of work to earn that amount of money back then. And so he told me about ACX. I wasn't ready for an audible contract yet because I'd never done a book. So I auditioned for a children's book on ACX and I and I did that and I taught myself through trial and error how to narrate an audiobook. And so my first several books, because I had no training, no guidance, no mentorship, were so bad. I mean, I'd even, I even had to figure out like, oh, you have to separate each chapter and upload the individual (laughs) chapters rather than just record all the way through and stop when you feel like it. Right. Um, So my entry, and that was a golden age for audiobooks. Like if you were willing to do audiobooks back then, because Audible was just starting and they needed content so badly, you could stumble into it with no skills whatsoever and you'd get work. And it's different now. ACX is not the, the plentiful... Uh, ground that it used to be. Well, and scams scams are plentiful. But, there were no um, scams on there back then. No, I, I know. I, I started a little bit after that on ACX, but um, I mean, I assume you're talking about 2012. Exactly. Frame. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was 2014. Um, there weren't many scams back then either. I know that it's very different now. I still think that it's a, it's a perfectly fine platform. You just have to be very, very wary of what you're looking at. I wouldn't have known a scam back then if I saw one. So thank God yeah. I didn't deal with that. And it took yeah. me uh, several several books before I finally realized that there was a community that did this work. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to my first union audiobook narrator meeting where I finally realized, oh, we have people who do this, who talk to each other about it. We have a conference we go to every year. It, this is how you get a publisher job. I remember seeing Will at my very first meeting, actually. That must have been one of his first, too. I remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Union. So were you already a member of SAG-AFTRA because of any other work that you had done? I coach, I joined uh, through my uh, membership with AGVA, which is the Disneyland Performers ah, Union, sister okay. union thing. Sister, yeah. 
All right. And what about you, Will? Uh, when did you join SAG-AFTRA? Um, I was a little ways into my record. I was maybe a year into my narrating career. I, I just joined as a, I've only done narrating work. No, that's not true. I've done some voiceover work um, as well. Um, but I joined when we were organizing for Brilliance. Mm. Um, and I am blanking on what year that was, maybe 2014, uh, maybe 2015. Not part of the um, history I'm familiar with. Can't help you, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, I mean, Brilliance, if anyone who's listening knows, Brilliance is a big, big producer out of uh, Michigan, uh, Grand Haven, Michigan, of all places. And I'd done my first couple of books for them. Ah. Um, so I had kind of a connection there. Um, uh, there was a casting director there who's since retired, um, who uh, hired me for my first couple of books, partly because she loved hiring people from the college that I went to where uh, those uh, other narrators who I'd mentioned had also gone. And so where, we had where, of... where was that? We, we, we don't want to, Reba and I don't want to take the entire yeah, conversation. Your college no, is it's fine. Good it's, too. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. We went to Middlebury <laughs> up in uh, Vermont. Oh, oh I've yes. heard of that. Yeah. I have a friend who went to Middlebury as well. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard of it. So yeah. way, you're, way you're, in the wilds, <laughs> in the frozen tundra of Vermont. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, so that's how I got in was uh, that there was, you know, we were organizing to, to get brilliance organized. It was not a union signatory back then. Mm. Um, so, and I'd done a lot of work for them. So I got involved in that campaign a little bit and that's how I got in. Cool. So um, I, I just wanted to get the, the union thing there because I know that that comes up later. So so you guys met, uh, Reba, you said probably at the first conference that you went to. So this was, uh, I'm guessing, six, seven years ago? Eight at least. Eight, okay. Um, but I don't think we really knew each other until we started doing a uh, co-narrating co a romance series together. Yes, ah, that's okay. right. Got That's kind of how I, I've made most of my audiobook friends up until Narrator Alliance, and now I can make friends <laughs> without <laughs> co-narrating a book with them, which has been awesome. <laughs> so so you mentioned Narrator's Alliance, which is, which is really why, what, what we really want to talk about here. So so now you've met Will, you're both doing audiobooks, you're going to conferences, you're both members of the union. How did the, what's the genesis of Narrator's Alliance, which is this, this, um, how do you describe it? Organization, group, just a meeting? It's a, how, how yeah, do you describe it? it's, it, it's an organization. It's a, it's a nonprofit for what that's worth. It, it's a support group. We, we are a support group for union audiobook narrators uh, for the reasons that you mentioned, gathering okay. to, you know, uh, support each other uh, mentally and emotionally uh, in the work, in this okay, so weird, fun work we do. So how did that come about? How, how, I mean, I know that you two were, I don't know if it was just you two, but you two were at the very beginning. What, how did, how, what did that look like? How did, what did you start talking about that made you think we should create the Narrators Alliance? Um, well, it, it began with, uh, with an idea I had. I was, I'd been going through a very difficult time. This was a uh, very, very late 2019 slash very early 2020. So COVID was not really a thing we were really paying attention to yet. Um, and, uh, I had had a number of experiences where that, that had led me to a point where I, I realized I needed something else in this community. Um, I had developed a, a way of working that was very, uh, I almost said productive, but it wasn't really productive in that I, I did a lot of audiobooks. Um, I've been doing this for eight years and I've narrated almost 600 audiobooks. Oh my God. Wow. So that pace of work 
I mean, yeah, you get that kind of response, but also like <laughs> that, that that's grueling. But, but yeah, no. But it's also kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you asked about on screen work, like that's why I haven't done that. You know, I I um and that's fine. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy for this work and I and I do love this work, but I got subsumed into this work and um created some very unhealthy habits for myself that I was not honest with myself or anyone else about. Um, and it contributed to some, uh, the decline of some personal relationships. I went through a divorce. Um, I, I, I was very, very isolated, um, and was literally, this sounds, uh, uh, unbelievable maybe, but it's actually how it happened. I was walking around my apartment one night, um, that was now just my apartment. My ex-wife had left. Um, talking to myself as one does sometimes, um, and, uh, you know, like, and, and psyching myself up to go back in the booth and finish recording my day's session. And it was probably 11 PM. And this was not a new situation for me. Um, these late, late nights and over long days. And I just said out loud to myself, I was like, I cannot be the only person who's experiencing this or who's feeling this way. Um, this this should not, you know, cause me as much suffering as, as it is. Um, and in a way I knew that that was, um, I had a sense of how true that was because, um, through the LA narrator community and gathering at people's houses or cocktail hours or whatever, you know, you, you would find the people who you really trust and you sort of end up at a, in some part of the night in a corner of the bar and you're like, yeah, so how's it really going for you? You know, mm-hmm. and you sort of take off the mask that we normally wear at cocktail parties and you, mm-hmm. you know, get real for a minute. And we would talk about how, how, you know, uh, maybe our physical health is suffering a little bit, or we have back issues now, or we don't see our friends as much, or we have vitamin D deficiency or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, um, that we were dealing with. But, you know, you don't want to just talk about that at a cocktail party because it's a cocktail party. And then yep. if you're at APAC, you don't want to just talk about that at APAC because you're there to fucking network and meet people and make yep. things happen. And, you know, so there was no space to really have these uh, conversations. Um, and I realized on a very simple level, I needed help and I needed a different kind of community that I didn't have. Um, and like I said, I was very isolated. So I was like, is there a possibility? Oh, and the other thing was, uh, because of my depression, I, I've uh, been living with depression since I was a, um, a teenager, uh, diagnosed, and I was medicated for a time and this whole thing. Um, uh, and because of my divorce, this had really surfaced again, and I was dealing with that. And I had started going to meetings of the DBSA, which is the Depression and Bipolar uh, Support Alliance um, in oh. L.A. And so I had a sense of how a support group worked. Um, uh, had the, like the, 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 the structure of it, how, um, uh, how it's led, um, the, the responsibilities of various people. And I was just sort of like, what if there was a group where we had sort of a structure kind of like that, but looser and, you know, uh, like, like an organized format whereby we narrators could just get real with each other and, you know, share the things that I was talking about and feeling and that I knew deep down, I was not the only person feeling um, or or experiencing. 
So um, that January, uh, early 2020, at our next um, SAG meeting in Los Angeles, I uh, got up in front of the group and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to start this group. Um, it's just an idea right now. But if I did this uh, and got this going, would anyone be interested? Um, tons of people you know, gave me their name and email uh, that night. Uh, Reba was among them um, and took me a while to get together, you know, what I wanted to do and even sort of start to get a meeting together. Meanwhile, COVID was becoming a thing. And mm. so what happened then was um, we set up uh, this first uh, meeting, anyone who would sort of respond to the email uh, as I sort of got people's uh, addresses together. Uh, we set up this first meeting at my apartment in North Hollywood um for early march 2020 uh and this was literally the same week that um you know those basketball games were canceled and uh trump uh, started that uh travel ban against people coming in from i think europe like it, it was all happening that week yeah um and we had maybe like 20 people who were going to come to this meeting and i think reba you can help me i think only like five or six yeah showed up yeah. Um, which, you know, of course, was smart. But at, at the time, you know, I wasn't paying that much attention. Um, so we had a very small group in my apartment for that first meeting. Reba was there. Uh, so was uh, Wayne uh, Mitchell, who is one of our uh, organizers as well. Now we have five organizers total who lead our uh, sessions. Um, but that was our first and only in-person meeting where we talked about the group and we had a, a two-hour discussion like we still do today. And um, talked about a mission statement, talked about what this could be. Um, we were very, very firm that we would never meet online. We would only meet in person because <laughs> damn it, that's, in, that's important. Um, COVID and ruins then, everything. Oh my God. So, so funny now. And then, and then we dispersed and, um, then things really began to shut down. So, so Reba, let me ask you, why did hmm. this resonate with you? Why is it that you saw something from Will and you said, I'm definitely interested in participating in what it is that he's interested in starting. So uh, for the past, I would say about seven years, I've been kind of brewing this mental health advocate alter ego. I have panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. So my mental health has been very, very bad at certain points in my young adult life. And I have worked on it so hard. And it's become such a big part of who I am, uh, growing and improving and being in therapy and taking medication. All those things are part of my story. And so I, I started writing this book. First, I had a blog. Then I started writing a book. And I've always been trying to like create this generative piece where I pass on all of this stuff I've learned to other young people who are dealing with panic and anxiety. So I hadn't birthed any of those things yet, but when Will said, I want to find a way to sort of combine being a narrator with working on our mental health. I was like, yes, those are my two things. Um, I also uh, I just find the work of being a narrator really really sad 
<laughs> it's as somebody who grew up doing plays and got into acting because I love the community of being in a show with people. Uh, yeah, when you no, lock me sense. in a box by myself, I get miserable. And yeah. I love the steady work. I love the flexibility of the work. I love the union uh, status of the work, but I hate doing the work. Totally understand. It, when you said that at first, I was thinking, sad. But as soon as you <laughs> con contrasted it with theater, because I've done theater, half, half of theater is holy shit, I get to go to the theater and I'm working with all these people and I'm, I'm bouncing off these people and, and I collaborate, interact with you. Yeah, the collaboration, the, the real-time collaboration. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, it, and it's like, if they change something, I have to go with it. I've got to, you know, be, be on my game. I've got to be listening the whole time. And yes, this is acting and it is so incredibly different. It just energizes me in a way that, reading a book does not. And mm -hmm. I've always felt like, am I, you know, when you go to a narrator thing, people talk, oh, when I just get so swept up in the work and it just fills me so much. And I'm like, I'm never there. I never feel that way. So uh, to be able to talk to other people about the work was the first time anybody's ever offered me that ever. So I was like, yeah, I want to come to that. That's great. That's great. No, I, I, I can totally hear that. Um, so at that point, you were both already union members. How is it that once the the ball started rolling, and, and so this isn't really all that long ago, this is only a year and a half ago, um, how, how is it that you thought we're going to make this a union thing where it's only for union narrators? Mm. Well, that, that was something that um, almost kind of became a given <clears throat> the more that that sort of initial group um, that met at my place. And then um, in following months, as we sort of stumbled our way through, hey, guys, so we had this thing. Now let's, I guess, let's meet on Zoom. I know we said we wouldn't, but like, let's just try it. I didn't even know what Zoom was at this point. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, let's just uh, just stay in touch. We had a, a couple of kind of like less formal meetings in the in the months that followed that. Um but that just kind of became a, a theme that as we talked about, who do we want to extend this to? Because what, what, what kind of became unspoken, first of all, and something I should mention, this was initially the LA Narrators Alliance. That was the full name. It was the LANA or uh, LANA or whatever you wanted to call it. Mm -hmm. that, that was what it was, a localized thing. Uh, I wasn't thinking I was going to move yet. And everyone else there obviously was in LA. So um, as we started doing the Zoom thing more and more, and I got more comfortable with it, and other people uh, did too, um, it, 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 I don't, Reba, you can help me if you remember better, but I don't really recall us ever, you know, making a, a big decision about like um, how really putting a, a firm foot down on who to let in or anything like that. It, as we sort of began talking about, well, if we're online, then we can include people who are not just in L.A., which then leads to this, which then means this, which then means this. So as we talk about other narrators, well, we want them to be union members because we feel that that's an important statement about your professionalism and your commitment to our community. Yeah, I was kind of guessing that that part of it was simply union membership means something. And most people who are union members are big union supporters. I know that um, for for years I was thinking about it. It was always in the back of my head, thinking I, you know, from my earliest days of voiceover back 20 years ago, 
it was always in the back of my head as I am in general a union supporter. I understand that given the work and given where I am in my career, it doesn't necessarily make sense to try to join the union until it uh, until that's going to work for me. I I get that. But it was always in the back of my head and it wasn't until a little over a year ago where it finally did, everything kind of clicked and worked together in terms of the work that I had gotten and the work that was coming up where that did make sense for me. And and now I get to say, yes, I have always been a union supporter. It finally made sense for me. And so I joined. Um, so I assumed that you guys were both, you know, big union supporters. So that was part of it. Uh, I think one of the first, th- the reason that we started this way, because when we started before the pandemic, the union said they would give us funding. <laughs> and, yeah, the, the, um, there was, yeah. And the, then that they was lost part of, a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's a good point. Thank you, Reba. Yeah, the, that was part of that first meeting where I announced the group. There was a lot of uh, support initially from our union um, leader, uh, uh, Jane Love and Rich mm-hmm. Larkin, sure. uh, who um, were very enthusiastic about this idea. They, they actually connected me to uh, people who had, union members, not narrators, but other union members in D.C. who had started a group after one of their um, uh, colleagues there had died by suicide a few years ago. So they connect. So, so that there were other groups kind of like this in other sectors of the industry. Um, but and so they were enthusiastic about the idea. And, yeah, we talked about funding. But, yeah, Reba, as you said, it's that that's been difficult to, um, yeah, to they, gather. And, they you can't know, even afford staff members anymore. So yeah. I don't think yeah. they can afford <laughs> to be handing out money. Yeah. Last year and a half. So, that, so that's that's a, that's years. an ongoing that's an ongoing conversation. But but yeah. So but so as we sort of codified what the group meant and how we were going to sort of reach out to more people, then that just became an important statement of uh, as as part of your membership to the group is we're offering this to people who are paying union members. And to your point, Rich, yeah, like the you know there's no rule one at the moment in audiobooks, so you can do this work and not be a union member. But at a certain point. You know, uh, that there there's the cost barrier for some people, but there's also once you're doing it enough, you know, you're you're benefiting from a system that the union has, you know, uh, uh, advocated for you getting paid a certain way and you mm-hmm. getting health insurance and all the other benefits we have. And so we just think it's important to, you know, that you are a a, a member of that as you join our group. Well, so it sounds like uh, it's it's going pretty well. I can I can tell you from my experience that I'm so happy that I saw Reba post something in a group online at some point. I don't remember which group or mm-hmm. what specifically she posted, but um, I remember you posting something, Reba, and I thought, oh, I'll check that out. And I went to the to a meeting, and I thought, this is fantastic. So this is this is an ability to talk to people about the work without trying to impress producers, without trying to impress other narrators, just to talk about, uh, you know, how it's how everything is going. And I absolutely loved it. So my feedback is is totally positive. I'm, Great. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, Glad hear to hear that. what feedback you have from other narrators who have joined the group and been at meetings. Oh, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, it's um, it, pretty much every meeting we have people who 
you know, uh, uh, thank us for for putting it together. Um, are thankful for being there. Um, it's it's become a real. It's becoming a real uh, community, which is what I wanted it to be. I mean, just our last meeting, we had people. Our meetings are confidential, so I won't uh, share a lot. But mm-hmm. um, you know, we had people uh, as the meeting was beginning who were, uh, you know, uh, as soon as they got into the Zoom room um were uh texting people and saying uh, oh hey so and so said he would be here but maybe he forgot let me reach out to him oh yeah so and so they, they you know that i know they're having a tough time let me make sure that they show up right and that's exactly what i wanted it to be i i, I wanted it to be because that's called accountability that's more than just you know people who enjoy being together and and sharing these things and being vulnerable which is hard to do and to things, to the point of things that both of you guys have said, and especially you, Reba, I appreciate you saying that this makes you sad sometimes. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I definitely connect with that. Yeah. Um, but more than that, then there's the layer of accountability that then there's, you know, I want to come to a meeting because people are going to ask me how I'm doing because they know I'm having a tough time or they want to, they want me to follow up on that thing I talked about, you know, two months ago. Um, you know, that's what good friends do. Um, and, and this is just a support group, but you know, there's, you're, you're, you've now involved more people in your experience than just yourself. And so that allows, and, and so what we've created is a space where we will follow up with each other. Um, and I just think that's really important as we navigate this experience, especially as we've all been through this pandemic and the pandemic will continue in some way, who knows, but, you know, we're all working in various different forms of isolation and distance. And some people are back in studios now, but, um, I also wanted to touch on something along these lines, like what Reba mentioned, um, uh, as, as you were talking Reba about, you know, your experience in the theater and musical stuff. And then this, um, I, I wanted to, also for this to be a space, the Narrator Alliance, where we could all just acknowledge that this job is fucking weird. It's a weird, it's a weird (laughs) thing to do to lock yourself in a closet and read a book out loud to yourself. (laughs) Maybe if you're lucky, you've got a director or someone, you know, Skyping in or Zooming in, but rarely. Right. um, You're mostly, most of us are doing this completely alone. Um, and uh, it's weird. It's I mean, it's different than voiceover, which is obviously oftentimes, you know, shorter um, uh, form audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is long, intense, very um, uh, uh, difficult, uh, physically difficult stuff to do. Um, and we haven't been doing it that long. I mean, books on tape, that sort of thing has been around for decades, but it's only been in the last 20, 25 years that it's really exploded the way it has. And only in, you know, the past 10, 15 years that this has really become this booming part of the audiobook industry. So we don't have, or this is the publishing industry rather. Uh, so we don't have a lot of data yet right. on the long, on the long-term effects of this on our bodies and our minds and our hearts. Right. Um, so it just seemed irresponsible at a certain point not to have a space where we could work through some of these things. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I, I really think that that's something that, you know, is never discussed um, in other spaces in this industry because most of us are just happy to be a part of it um, and, you know, uh, enjoying the work and, and getting some kind of uh, some amount of fulfillment from it. 
Um, but it is weird work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally get that. And I, I will also um, say, without going into details, because I know that everything in the meetings is confidential, that it's not just a matter of, you know, not everything has to be heavy. And there was no. a, there was a situation that yes. came up yes. in, in, in the last meeting in the small group that I was in where somebody said, well, I, I know that this isn't about networking. It's not about trying to get work. It's not about, it's not about, um, that aspect of the work, but I've, I'm really frustrated because I'm, I'm trying to do this one thing and I've tried to get a hold of this person. He, he actually didn't mention the company name or the person initially. And we're like, no, who are you talking about? You know, it's all confidential. And it turned out that he had the wrong email address and several of us knew that. And so we could help out by saying, mm-hmm. oh, that's, you know, this isn't a problem that this person doesn't want to talk to you. It's the, it's, it's a problem because you haven't actually gotten in touch with them like you thought you did. And, and so some of it is also just sort of, um, I don't want to say mundane cause it was important to this person, but, but it's the kind of thing where it's not all, you know, the deep, heavy stuff. It's also just, you know, understanding what helping people go through what they're going through uh, in the work that they're doing, even in the small things. No, we can, we can laugh at each other. Like that's, I shouldn't say laugh at each other, laugh with each other. No, because that's, that's, we don't, we don't laugh at each other. Um, but, but, you know, but sometimes that that's, I think one of the, um, effects of spending this much time, as I said, alone, talking to yourself, into a microphone that you then have to listen to sometimes like i mean shoot me in the face you know doing this work um that sometimes the effect of that is that you take yourself very seriously i'm guilty of this far too often and the best way to ameliorate that is show up in a group and you can share these things and sometimes i don't know about you uh you two guys i always leave feeling lighter after these meetings because i don't take myself as seriously and I think we can let some of that go. And we always have a laugh or many laughs about these various situations you're talking about, Rich. Like, that's perfect. Like, that's, you know, this person I'm sure was getting very, very anxious about that situation. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was a very simple thing. And that happens all the time in our meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, I think that's a good way to put it. I, I would not think of the term lighter when I leave, but I will say that every time I have attended one of the meetings, I come away from it happy that I went. Very, mm-hmm. very happy that I had the time available at the time of the meeting to to participate and uh, and be with other people. So I'm so excited in the coming years to go to APAC and not stand there in the room desperately getting up the courage to go introduce myself to total strangers again and again and again because I know literally almost no one uh, as was the case with my first day pack. Now I know there will be at least 50 people that I can just go up to and already know things about them where we can have a wonderful happy conversation rather than a so where are you from? Do you want to be talking to me or would you rather I leave? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it provides this great opportunity for real community building that isn't based on status or perceived status in this world, mm-hmm. just genuine human connection. And we've really needed a place where that could happen. Yeah, yeah, no, to- totally see that. So, what are your plans for the group going forward? I mean, I'm I'm really glad that uh, that Will you contacted me about possibly um, being on the podcast. 
Um, possibly, presumably, maybe uh, you'll have more and more people joining. What are your plans for the group going forward? Just to keep growing the group. I mean, the, the great thing about this group is it's um, self-sustaining in the way that it, you know, the the way it works is we just keep meeting. Um, and that's the content, so to speak, that's generated from it. You know, that there's not, we don't have to produce anything. We are there for, for each other. It's the experience of coming together that um, keeps the group going. Um, and the group has been growing. I mean, we have over 120 members now. Um, and members, just so you know, is we define that as someone who has reached out, given us their contact information and said, yes, I would like to be made aware of meetings. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, not everyone can show up to every meeting. Uh, we meet once a month, for those who don't know. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and we got people from all over the world, literally, um, uh, people in the UK, people in Australia who are who are members and uh, really want to come to meetings and, and have made the time uh, to, to, to be there. So um, we just want to continue to expand the group. Um, there are no immediate concrete plans beyond that. Um, I would like to see a group that more reflects the true diversity of our narrator community. Um, and we're, we're working on that. Um, the, because the narrator community at large is a, is a remarkably diverse, beautiful group of people that I think news um, and, and sort of the trust in the idea of our group has not reached all those people yet. And so we're just sort of working on getting the word out. Um, but that's, that's most of it. Uh, what, what do you think, Reba? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that with COVID and the ever-changing situation, it's, it's hard to know if in-person things could maybe happen in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. We have a, talked about It's a that. real bummer yeah. to think if I if we had an in-person event in LA, we wouldn't have all of these wonderful friends that we've been seeing on Zoom all over the country. So it's it's kind of like I wouldn't want to do anything without my friends in Atlanta and Colorado and Utah now. But um, perhaps parties, uh, maybe things at APAC where we you know, have a table or get people together. Um, there was a time when we really dreamed of bringing in uh, mental health professionals every once in a while, but that does cost money that we don't have. So, sure. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, the, we we did identify um, at least one person we really liked, and you know, once the funding is there, because we want to of course honor that person's time. Once the funding is there, that is a thing that we will look into doing. But I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, like getting together in person, we keep sort of flirting with that idea and talking about it. And, um, you know, people can, of course, do that on their own. And uh, some people have. I've I've gathered with a few people here um, in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, like I could totally see us, yeah, like hosting a thing at APAC in the future or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. That would be a great idea. Yeah. That would be cool. I'd, I'd be happy to participate once APEC gets in person again. Right, not yeah. this year. Yeah, exactly. Not 2022, right. but maybe 2023. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, who knows where the world will be at that point. Well, well, this is fantastic. I'm so glad that uh, that I could help get the word out about the Narrators Alliance. Uh, where can people find information about the Narrators Alliance online? The best way is to go to our website, which is narratoralliance.org. Um, and that is also our email address. Uh, it's narratoralliance at gmail.com. But all that info is on the website. Just go to narratoralliance.org. 
Um, you'll see all the information about how we gather and uh, who's eligible and how to reach out to us. We also have uh, handy dandy bios of all of our organizers, uh, which I do want to give a shout out. It's, it's me and Reba and also uh, Rat Samuel Price and Patria Burchard and Wayne Mitchell. Uh, the five of us are the organizers for all of our meetings. Uh, and we facilitate the discussions in those meetings. Um, and you all do yeah, a that, fantastic job, if I may say. <laughs> oh, Thanks, we all know Tim. Rhett's the favorite, but yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in Rhett's group a couple of times. He he is fantastic as, <laughs> as, as a moderator, as, as keeping things on track and, you know, not going too far afield. And at the same time, making sure everybody has a chance to speak. I, I love that about the meetings that I've been to is that um, I, I've missed a few, but uh, that one of the points is that everybody needs to have an opportunity to speak. And when that person is speaking, uh, let's not interrupt. This This isn't just a free-for-all sitting in a bar like here in a speakeasy. This, this is, we want to give people a chance to speak. And then whatever feedback they're looking for, let's go ahead and do that, but make sure everybody has a chance to speak uh, if they want to. And if they don't, that's fine as well. So I, I love the fact that um, everybody is on board in the, in the small groups that I've been in, all of the different facilitators have been very good at, uh, at making sure that happens. Good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. That's, that's job. and again, that's, that's our job. And that's also <laughs> that, that that's where that structure comes in that I talked about, because we, we try to, you know, uh, thread the needle between, uh, we, some things need to be structured, like you said, or else people might not give it, get a chance to speak. And and people need to feel comfortable in a structure to then be able to, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, share and and let go the way that they, uh, to whatever extent that they want to. You have to have some structure to allow for that, but you also need to be flexible enough to allow things to just unfold. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I'm glad that that works. Yeah, well, it has for me. I've, I've been very impressed in the the different small groups that I've been in. Um, so, well, that's great. Thank you both so much for coming in. I'm I'm so glad that you could make it. I'm Will. I'm glad you reached out and uh, and that we could bring this to uh, to more narrators' attention. Thank you so much for having us, Rich. I'm so glad that you do this. I think this is such a great idea. I, I love this podcast. Um, and um, thank you for having us on. It was a sure. pleasure. Yeah. Yes. And Reba, one of these days, if we ever do get a chance to meet in person, we can go off someplace for an hour and talk about Oxy. And then I would love everybody that. Else. <laughs> I love that place so much more now that the the older I get. And uh, and so I always love talking about it. I'm actually the, the secretary now for my class. Good and for I, you. I, I do the class notes section. And, um, and I, I love staying in touch with people who I knew back then. And I, I appreciate it so much more now than I did at the time. <laughs> so, so it was great having you guys in. Thank you so much for coming in. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Will Damron and Reba Burr for coming in. I really love the Narrator Alliance meeting, so I'm glad I could help them get the word out about them. My apologies for getting the name wrong over and over. Despite having been to the website prior to our discussion, and despite Reba and Will referring to it correctly throughout our discussion, for some reason my brain kept wanting to put an S on Narrator. For the record, it's Narrator Alliance, not Narrators. 
As always, you can find the audiobook Speakeasy on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all the usual apps. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our Speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! (laughs) ¶¶